0: Now we come into your word, we thank you for the worship we've been able to have, we thank you for the reminders of the gospel, and now I pray, Father, that we come into your word, I pray it would shape us, mold us, I pray you would come forward, I would disappear, Father, your truth would be what shapes us and makes us more like your son, and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever felt different If we're honest, most of us do everything we possibly can to not be seen as different. When I was in youth group, one summer, our youth group decided we were going to do a lock-in. Several other churches got involved, and we did it at the local middle school, about the size of uh, the school here in Maxwell. And we had probably about 150, maybe a little bit more there, and to start the evening... They gathered everybody into the gym. They wanted to play some games, get everybody together before we scattered for the evening. First game they wanted to play was called "Catch the Goldfish." Pretty self-explanatory. You had to catch a goldfish. So they they called down four students out of this big crowd to put their hands in these tiny uh, fish bowls that had goldfish in it. So all you had to do, point of the game, was to put your hand in the fish bowl, swish it around in the water, try to catch goldfish looking back now this is the dumbest thing ever but one boy they blow the whistle one boy grabs the fish bowl and begins to pour the water in his mouth until the fish goes in his mouth but he doesn't stop there just to show off he looks at the crowd and begins to swish it around and then spits it out into his hand and wins now that's different But that kind of different got him a bunch of slaps on the back. His buddies thought that was the coolest thing ever. But I'm not talking about that kind of different. I'm talking about the kind of different. Doing things a different way that almost seems to invite criticism. People look at you and go, why would you do it that way? Or you're different because of decisions you make, and, and people become or, or start to, to, to theorize or begin to make up things about you, come to wrong conclusions. As I said, most of us try as hard as we can to not be that kind of different. We return to our study here in the book of Matthew. We just got done with nine stories that Matthew tells us about to introduce us first to Jesus as our Savior. And then he begins to uh, introduce us or, or tell us about our choice, whether or not we're going to follow him. And then lastly, we saw that there are callings. There are things we are going to be called to do if we decide to follow Jesus. Now, over the course of the book of Matthew... He's going to stop, and he's going to give us a sermon or a discourse that Jesus gives to the twelve. There's several of these in the book, and they are, all of them, directed at the twelve disciples. And even though these messages or these sermons are aimed at the twelve, they're included here because there are things for us to learn. Now, with all of them, the primary purpose of all of the discourses or all of the sermons in Matthew is that to, to tell us something. And the thing they want to tell us is what does it look like to be a disciple? What is the quality? What are the distinctives of people who follow Jesus? Here in this text, chapter 10, this sermon, this discourse, the quality or the distinction that Jesus is going to make is that his disciples are different. Not drink a fishbowl of water different. But the kind of different most of us want to avoid. Over the course of the sermon, Jesus is going to make a number of comparisons showing how his disciples do things or are this way while the rest of the world operates this way. With the idea again being that the mark or one of the marks that we're going to learn about in Matthew is that a disciple of Jesus is different and in this sermon I want to give you three ways in which he shows us or tells us how his disciples are different. Number 1. Number 1, disciples of Jesus have a different purpose. Disciples of Jesus have a different purpose. We noted at the last section that we went through that there's this calling on the people of God to go into ministry. We're going to have to minister to broken people. There are so many lost sinners, so many people without a shepherd, that we're even told that this work is going to be overwhelming. We're going to need to pray for more help. We're going to need the power of Christ in order to do it. And now we get these disciples sent into the ministry. But before he sends them, Jesus is going to give them further instruction. The first thing he tells him, he says, I only want you to go to the children of Israel, the house of Israel, there in verse 6. We're going to learn later in this text that the people that Jesus is sending his disciples to are the people who are already a hard no when it comes to the gospel. They've already said no. They're going to say no. They want nothing to do with Jesus. And then he tells them, as you go out, I don't want you to charge for anything. All right, I want you to do these things. I want you to cast out demons. I want you to heal the sick. I want you to cleanse the leper. But I want you to do it without charging them any monetary funds. And then he goes further. He says, I want you to go, but I don't want you to take anything extra. No extra clothes, no extra staff, no extra shoes. And then lastly, he says to them, I want you to, to, uh, to be careful about where you stay. The idea there. Uh, he is he's telling them not to become exclusive go where there's a good place to stay ask around where would be the right place to stay and if they're good people your peace be upon them if they're not good people don't curse them just don't put your peace out there he says and if you find it that you go there and they're it's not that they're bad good people or bad people in fact that you find that they're uh, oppressive people, they, they reject the gospel right out of hand. He says, just don't waste your time there. Move along. So if you put it all together, he's instructing his disciples to go to the most difficult people. Don't charge them for all the good things you're going to do for them. Don't go with the plan B. And don't let the good, the bad, or the ugly sidetrack what I've called you to do. And if you just step back for a moment, you realize what he's telling them to do is the exact opposite of how most of us would go about this. Most of us, if we were going to build a movement if I was going to run for political office, let's say. I'm going to start with people that I think already agree with me. I'm going to start with people that I might be persuaded could agree with me. This is why... People go, uh, or why politicians go to certain places. They they want to start here. They're trying to gather a following, and then you start charging. You know, you got to raise money if your movement's going to last. You got to have the finances to make your T-shirts, and you got to have the finances to do this and do that. And of course, you have backup plans. And of course, you're making sure that you're always within the ability to make changes. You're supposed to cozy up with influencers. You're supposed to put down the haters. That's how we would do it. But that's not how Jesus goes about it. He does something very counterintuitive. He's he's asking his disciples to do something very counterintuitive. Why? Because they have a very different purpose. We have a very different purpose than all other organizations, all other movements out there. The disciple of Jesus does what he or she does, because their purpose, as you see in the text, is to spread the gospel of Jesus and announce the kingdom of Jesus. Let me explain it this way. You've heard me say this before I am not a professional. You call professionals to, pick, uh, to, to fix your plumbing, you call professionals to, to come and, and pave your driveway. I am not a professional. The Bible doesn't call what this church pays me every week a salary. The Bible doesn't call the parsonage or my health care a benefit. One single word is used in the entire Bible to describe all of those things. The word is honor. What you do is you honor the preaching of the word. You honor the, the care of your the prayers for your soul. This isn't me and you. This is not a professional relationship. If it was, if you just stopped for a moment and thought of this entirely through a professional idea, you would see the lunacy of it. You have an eternal soul that is going to spend eternity either in the presence of God or not in the presence of God. And about five years ago, you called a 32-year-old young man to come and care for your eternal soul. Do you see the lunacy of that? But there's no contract here either. Tomorrow, you call me and say, you know what, we want you out of the house by the end of the week. There's no contracts. Because this whole thing is supposed to be far more personal than a professional relationship. There's something different going on here than some CEO relationship. Believe it or not, since I've been here, I've, I've been told there are certain groups of people that, that are always going to be a hard note to the gospel, people in this community that I've been told that are never going to come to Christ. And that didn't dissuade me. In fact, in many cases, it pointed me in their direction. I, I appeared in their houses and at their hospital bedside when they didn't want me to. And by all appearances, a lot of those visits have never produced anything. Those people have never been saved, as far as I know. Those people have never come to church most of them have never come to church you know what I like I like the fact that we don't charge people in this community for a funeral meal will people take advantage yes some already have sometimes we don't have enough workers but we stay faithful why why do things this way why no contracts why why risk being taken advantage of why do all the hard work when it seems to accomplish so little because of our purpose because it's not about first baptist church it's not about people coming to hear me it's not about the silly measurements of success it is about the glory of christ It is about his good news. It is about his kingdom. It's at the center of everything we do. So let me ask you this question. Who's the automatic no that you've stopped trying to reach? What backup plan do you need to let go of? What risk do you need to take place? How do you need to be different Because as a follower of Jesus, you have a different purpose. Number two this morning. The second mark of a way uh, the disciple of Jesus is different. The disciple of Jesus, they have a different spirit. The disciples of Jesus have a different spirit. Verses 16 to 25, we actually have the mention of two kinds of spirits. However, before we get to that, Jesus says to his disciples straight out, I'm sending you a sheep in the midst of wolves. And he gives them two pieces of advice, be wise and innocent. Now, Matthew's already told us there's going to be a cost to following Jesus. He's already explained to us that it's good to follow Jesus, just not safe. Note all the things that Jesus mentions in this text. He says, you know, I'm going to send you a sheep to the wolves. You're going to be arrested. In Jesus' day, the religious society and the civil government both had courts. Both had the ability to dish out punishment. You're going to be arrested. You're going to go and you're going to be betrayed by by your family, sibling, parents, people who are supposed to love and protect you. They're going to be the cause of you being handed over to the authorities to die. You're going to be hated by all. You're going to be driven out of towns. People with power are going to be at your heels. Now in the middle of all that, Jesus says to his disciples, but don't be anxious about what you're going to say when you're dragged before these police officers and these judges and these powerful people because you have the spirit of your Father in heaven, and he will give you what you need to say. But even in the closing verses, we're reminded that even though we have the spirit and we respond to the spirit, we are going to be charged with having the spirit of Beelzebub or the spirit of Satan. This too is very different. Think about it. When Peter didn't like how things went, he got mouthy. James and John, when they were treated rudely in one town, they decided they wanted to call down fire from heaven. Simon the Zealot was called Simon the Zealot. He'd rather stab the person he disagreed with. We all know that these guys scattered like bunnies when Jesus was arrested. But what does Jesus tell them here? He says, Sheep in the midst of wolves, be wise, be innocent, and don't be anxious when the conflict comes. Because you have the spirit of your Father in heaven to help you. Now this... Text is very common, or very much used, uh, or very popular when it pertains to missions. This is a text I have heard preached many times at missions emphasis services or missions conference. is used to encourage people to get to missions. I mean, because we have this different purpose for the glory of Christ, so we have to, we're we're supposed to have this different spirit. You're not supposed to be anxious about having to learn another language. You're not supposed to be anxious about moving to a, a, another country. And usually this is the point where you would start listing all of these examples of all the missionaries who gave up everything and sacrificed everything and lost everything for the gospel. And all of that's great. But the reality is this special spirit that we always seem to attribute to missionaries is the same spirit that, that we're being called to, the disciples are being called to, to live in their daily lives. Yes, our missionaries to China, they have to be wise about Chinese culture. They have to understand Chinese culture so they can understand how to bring the gospel into that culture. I've said this before. There's a reason First Baptist Church of Maxwell does not have a comic book convention. I'm the only one who would go. We have a wild game feed. Because we understand our culture. We understand that it's a way to deliver the gospel to them. You have peer groups, places of work, friendships, families that you know that you need to grow wise, and how to get them the gospel. You wouldn't think, for example, you could share the gospel while loading plywood. But I saw it once. I headed to a town hall, I had some paperwork I had to get done, and as I'm walking in, they're doing some renovations on the outside of the building. And there's a guy at the top, about two stories up on the top of the building, guy at the bottom of the building. And they're yelling back and forth to each other. And they've got some pulley system, and they're moving plyboard all up up and down this pulley system. I don't know where they were taking it, but they were doing something. And as I got closer, something caught my ear. And and so I, I started to listen, and I realized the guy on the roof is shouting the gospel to the guy on the ground. And trying to tell him, uh, I I think he was talking about Peter and how Jesus uh, loaded Peter's net with fish. And he was trying to explain the gospel while they were moving plyboard. To me, it just made me smile. That's the spirit that we're supposed to be carrying around with us. How do you deal with injustice and unintended conflicts? Are you the kind of person, when conflict comes, you have a tendency to get a little mouthy? You're the kind of person who's ready to call down fire, your own type of fire from heaven. Maybe you you don't forward the email somebody needs. Maybe you start giving out the silent treatment. The disciples of Jesus are supposed to be known as the people who show mercy when everybody says to stop showing mercy. We're supposed to be the kind of people who are able to be kind when treated rudely. We're the kind of people who should not be asking for the manager. At least probably doing it a little less. We shouldn't be calling for boycotts. There's definitely times when we should not be posting on social media. He sends us with an unpopular message to a people who are going to treat us unjustly. Sheep given over to wolves. But we are to act, we are to respond, we are to be a people of an entirely different spirit than the rest of the world because we are Have the the spirit of our Father in heaven, and then lastly, number three. Disciples of Jesus have a different loyalty. Disciples of Jesus have a different loyalty. Actually, in in this text, this final text, verse twenty six to forty two, there is a number of these loyalty tests. For example, he says, "Are you going to be loyal to general societies? Are you going to fear those who can kill the body?" Or are you going to fear God who can kill body and soul or cast the soul into hell? Then we get more specific. Are there loyalty to family or to Christ? Are you going to be loyal to doing the right thing or the, or the wrong thing? And as he questions our loyalty, he goes through and gives us little bits of encouragement. Let me just stop for a moment. Why would we need encouragement? Shouldn't this be pretty straightforward? Shouldn't it be that, you know, I should stand up here and be like, you should be loyal to Christ above all things and above all people. And that should be the end of it, right? Well, any of us who've lived more than a hot minute understand that that's really hard. Break it down. Verse 29 to 31. He encourages us, first of all, by telling us that we are valuable to God. He says, God knows when every sparrow dies. The idea is that God is near. He's paying very close attention. But you are of more value. How does he pronounce your value? It's not that just, you see, see, God pays attention to the sparrow when he dies. But with you, he actually knows the number of hairs upon your head. It's the idea that he's paying even more attention to you. He's even closer to you. Now ask the question, knowing that God is paying attention, knowing that he is close, knowing that he has this watch care over you. Are you going to fear God or are you going to fear men? Are you going to just be worried about your earthly life? Are you going to be worried about a life for Christ is the idea. Verse 39, he gives us another form of encouragement in the form of a promise. He says, look, the person who tries to tighten their grip over the things that they hold dear in their life, they're going to lose it. They're going to lose more and more of that life. If you're holding it too tight, if you're holding it away from God, you're going to lose it. But the promise here is if you open your hand and you offer those precious things to God, the promise is you'll have more life than you know what to do with. This comes after he talks about the discord the gospel could potentially bring in your family. I shared a story last, last week in Sunday school about a gentleman who lives and works in Hollywood. And as when he became a Christian, the amount of relationships he lost. But he opened them to Christ and now he has far more than he's ever had before. Jesus has said, loyalty must come to him before sibling and parent and child. And then lastly in verses 40 to 42... There is an encouragement of reward. Several rewards are listed here, but the final promise that if we remain faithful, if we endure, these things cannot be taken away. For, for a long time, I should, well, maybe not for a long time, but for a time, this was a very difficult thing in my Christian life. When I was young in my faith, I tried loving Jesus without being different. Now I could blame the fact that my conversion was rather unexpected, and I had a lot of friends at that time and a lot of interests that did not fo- match following Jesus. And unfortunately, I, I made a lot of choices to fear men, to hold on to relationships, and, and to do the wrong thing instead of being loyal to Jesus. But then I grew in my relationship. Then, Unfortunately, though, I began to go the wrong way. I thought loyalty to Jesus was wearing a tie in church, only listening to certain kinds of music and making sure I never, ever, ever watch an evil Disney movie. And over time, I began to realize that the thing that was motivating me when I was staying in relationships I shouldn't have, romantic relationships I shouldn't have, and the me that now was trying to say, I'm only going to do this, and I'm not going to do that, and I'm only going to do this, It was the same me. I was entirely motivated by a fear of people. All I wanted to do was hold on to life. I was far more interested in earthly significance than heavenly reward. You see, it really does come down to the question, do I love him more than anything else? And the moment when I really say yes to that question... It just seems to all work out. I know what I should and should not do. I appreciate things I couldn't appreciate before. I'm a, I'm not afraid to do and say the right thing because I understand that He is above everything else. And life becomes very different. It's very different to start de- to start seeing death as a, a doorway to paradise. It's very different. To be confident about his nearness. It's very different to know that his grace is always going to come when you need it. It's very different to see life through the sovereignty of God. And you begin to realize that, that it's never, ever a waste of words. and never a waste of time if it's done for Jesus. Loyalty to Jesus is dangerous. It's divisive. It's difficult. But it is never, ever, ever a waste of time. Now all of this, all three of these points really could be summed up like this. Jesus loved me enough to suffer for me. And so I in turn love him enough to live and love and suffer for him. As his disciple, I have a very different loyalty. A loyalty that is often going to confuse and enrage the world around me. As his disciples, I I have a very different spirit. When anger is... Aimed at me, I I have a reason to not be anxious, but instead model grace because I've been shown grace. When anger is aimed at me, instead of being anxious, I model mercy because I have been shown mercy. Because I have a very different purpose. We have a very different purpose. And our purpose is the message of Christ. It is believe the gospel, believe and enter the kingdom of Christ. The mark of a disciple of Jesus is that they are different because it is truly all about him. Let's pray. Father, I pray you give us the courage to be this kind of different. Father, it is going to enrage the world around us. It is going to cause people to criticize us. It is going to mean that we are going to take the risk of being taken advantage of. It means, Father, that we are going to have to love your Son above life itself. We thank you, Father, though, for the reminder that it is all about Jesus. And there is reward. There is promise. There is life. We thank you for this reminder. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.